Welcome to Musically Hitched, a podcast featuring the untold stories of entertainment professionals from household names to budding superstars and those still hidden in plain sight. Each life has a soundtrack. Our stories are the lyrics. I'm Zach Reynolds Jr. And I'm Crystal Reynolds. This This is is Musically Hitched. If you enjoyed today's content, don't forget to please like and subscribe so that you're always notified when new episodes are released. When Nate Myers picks up his saxophone, he finds his voice and becomes a master communicator, expressing his deepest emotions and passionately connecting with audiences everywhere. Over the years, he has shared the stage with top gospel artists like Marvin Sapp, toured with Grammy-nominated artist Calvin Richardson, and opened for legendary R&B crooner Charlie Wilson and more. As a solo artist, Myers performs regularly in piano bars and concourses at the Hartfield-Jackson Atlanta International Airport, welcoming visitors and natives alike. His latest album, Levitation, moves listeners with its melodic flow and catchy vibes. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a treat for you today. I am here with a good friend and an awesome, awesome musician. The one, the only, Mr. Nate Myers. Nate, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, my brother. How are you? Good to see you. Thanks for joining us for Musically Hitched. I've been looking forward to this since we first talked about you joining us on the episode, and we've got a lot to to get into. So let's get into it, shall we? Shall we? We shall. So let's talk about uh, your your start just as a musician. Uh, We've known each other for several years now, but I don't want to take that for granted for the listeners. I want to kind of take it back to the early stages. Uh, when you first got started. So tell us where you're from and, you know, anything you'd like for us to know about how you got started on your musical journey. Okay. Well, um, I was born in Columbus, Georgia on, um, Fort, on the Fort Benning base, military base. My father's military, retired army. Um, I've lived all around, all around the world my entire life. Um, Germany, Korea, um, Kansas, a little bit everywhere. Wow, so I'm okay. pretty well-rounded in that area. Um, I started playing um, the saxophone in middle school in sixth grade in Germany. And um, the, from the very first week I played the horn, I just, I knew that was it. It just changed my life. So did you, were you introduced to the horn by anybody specifically or was it literally just a, it was a middle school uh, type moment where you just tried something in the band and this is what hey, you should try this. You know, some people have that story where well, they didn't really pick like the band director pick for them. Well, it was more so um, at that time, you know, it was for the girls. I, I, I thought it was going to be cool. <laughs> I played saxophone and all that good stuff. So um, we had in beginning band, we had a specific day where we went around the, the band room and tried out different instruments. And I tried the tenor sax specifically. And like, as soon as I blew into it, like the first note that came out, just, it was effortlessly, and everybody in the, in the band room like, "Whoa!" I mean, it didn't sound good, but it was just like, "Whoa, okay," like you know. And so it was like something about that just attached to me, and it was, it was love at first note. And um, yeah, um, my parents were both ministers, and I started out in, in playing in church. The very first week I received my instrument from school, that Sunday I was playing for service for church. And um, I was playing three notes, a song, the same three notes the entire service. And um, yeah, it just it just grew from there, basically. That's awesome. So is there anybody else in your family that you know of that also played instruments, period, let alone sax? Nobody. 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 So- now, my sister, my sister sings. So she's my younger sister. Okay. And um, she, she has perfect pitch and everything, but... That's we're the only ones. Okay, the only ones. Are you the only two children in your your immediate family? Does your parents? It's three of us. It's okay, three. myself. I'm the oldest. And I have two younger sisters. Okay, so you're the oldest. So you're the first one, first one to get it, and right. the first one in the family line. Literally, exactly. Okay, so the legacy literally starts with you. Right, right. That's no awesome. pressure. No pressure. <laughs> None at all. Right. None at all. <laughs> So basically, so for Columbus is is what I know about you. So when did Columbus, Georgia come into the picture? 
Um, well, my mother was from, she's from Columbus as well. So when we, um, when my dad ended up being stationed at Fort Benning, it, you know, it just worked out as far as that. So even growing up, I always went back to Columbus to grandma's house or visiting, uh, visiting aunts and uncles. And, um, basically, and, and we ended up uh, moving back to Columbus, my junior, junior year in high school. Okay. And so I ended up finishing high school there. I was drum major high school. Um, all that good stuff. I was deep in the marching band, all that great stuff. So I mean, it was music was always around me, and I also played in church growing up. Um, like I said, PK, preacher's mm-hmm. kid. For those that okay. don't know, and um, so we were at church eight days a week. You know, so yeah, so I had literally, no choice but to you know <laughs> exactly. So if I hadn't grown up like that, I wouldn't know what you meant by that. You saw <laughs> I didn't flinch when you said that, right? <laughs> I was trying to see you catch it, you catch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, I was like. <laughs> yeah. Sounds familiar. That's another one. Right, right, right. Right. So, so that's yeah. that's 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 awesome, man. And I, another thing I didn't know, um, and which is the beauty of, of, of us having these conversations, uh, it's amazing how much those of us in the music community have in common. Right. My dad retired from the National Guard. Now, what's yes, different is we didn't do the whole tour of duty. I have an older sister, Malia, and she got that part of it. So, but my dad, you know, was in Germany. He was in Fort Lewis, Washington, Oklahoma, made his way back to North Carolina, which is where mm-hmm. I was born and raised. So wow. that was definitely a part of, of my childhood as well, but oh, in yeah. a stationary way. But, right. but, but Fort Benning to you was was Fort Bragg to me in North Carolina. Got you. Okay. Got you. Yes, sir. Hey, so, but you know about having the military dad and oh, yeah. what, what comes yeah. with that. So The discounts yeah. and the PX and all that stuff. Right, right, right. <laughs> I, ha- I can't remember how old I was, but I'm sure I was it was, I had a pair of fatigues pretty early in life, man. Right, exactly. Same here. Joe had a whole nother meaning in our house, you know. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. So, so basically middle school is, is ultimately kind of like a, the earliest exposure that, that we, that we can think of right now. And, and the sax well, first in line. No, actually okay. not. It's not. Um, it was around fourth or fifth grade. Um, we were in Korea and um, right. we ended okay. up going to a church up there and we, so we were, uh, church of God in Christ. That's how we, when we first started out really going to church was like fourth grade, fifth grade around that time. Okay. And um, it was a very small church and they didn't really have that many children, but they, and they had only one choir. It wasn't a, man, a men's choir, a women's choir, none of that stuff. It was just one big choir in the church and that was it. And I was the only child in the choir. So, I mean, I just, it was something about it. I just wanted to, uh, try to sing or something. So I might've been the altos or something because, because my voice wasn't, um, you know, it hadn't changed yet. So I was still, you know, singing high and stuff, but that was my first um, real exposure with music in general. And I enjoyed it. And from there, that's where, you know, when I went to transition to middle school, I ended up, you know, trying the saxophone and I realized I had a niche, you know, I was like, Hey, I might be on to something. So you were singing, you sang first, or do you still sing? I can't now? sing now. So <laughs> I can't sing. <laughs> no, but. <laughs> no, you, you know your lane. You know your lane. Right. I know my lane. I got you. That's good to talk. <laughs> so uh, when did you realize that you were musically hit? So we, we've been exposed to music. We've gotten exposed to instruments. When did you realize that you were hits and it wasn't just a hobby? It wasn't something that you were going to put down one day, it wasn't a phase that you were going through. When did you realize you were musically hitched and that music would be a way of life for you and even a career path? Well, that's a good question. Um, as far as a way of life, now, I, initially when, when, I, when I was hitched, musically hitched, um, it was around middle school, the same time playing in church. And I just, my ear was just like, I, I, I practiced nonstop. Like I, I had no life. I was I was downstairs in the basement getting on, getting on my parents' nerves, playing all types of stuff and all that good stuff. So I just I, I just had an instant love for it. And you know, over the over that course of time, just in middle school, I knew I was not going to ever stop playing. But as far as making it a career path, a, a career choice, um, it was more so maybe towards the end of college, towards the end of college. And, um, you know, when I first initially entered college, I just wanted to, I thought that the only, um, what's the word, the only 
career you could have in music is being a band director or a music teacher. And that's the only thing you can do. Like you can't to make money and to right. make a living. Right. And then um, the older I got, I kind of you know got a little more wise to certain things and realized, oh, okay, this is possible. And then seeing other examples of people such as yourself, you know, that's making this happen. I'm like, okay, this, this is doable. So it was, it was more so towards the end of college where I was like, okay, it's a possible, I can possibly make this a career. I just, at the time, I still wasn't sure how or when, you know, or if, but I knew that it was a possibility. Well, you know, a lot of people, even to this day, still think that's one of the only ways that you can make a living as a musician is by teaching music. And and it's because it's, it's challenging to do. That is the reality of, of this industry. When you choose this, this path, you don't choose this path in a lot of cases. It chooses you, right? Would you agree right. with that? You know, you, you you literally you didn't have any experience with that horn. You just you just tried it, and yeah. for whatever reason, as you said, effortlessly, the notes came out. Yeah. So it's a it's a gift that you were given that you didn't choose, right. and it chooses you before you choose it. And somewhere along the, the way, we collide and we become musically hits. Exactly. So that's that's a powerful thing. And and when you have that revelation, like for me, it was, you know, I was around eight years old when I first started playing mm-hmm. instruments and I started on the drums and matriculated to the basses. I've you know talked about it in, in, a, in a previous episode. And it was just interesting how, you know, without training, just as you said, you know, it just it was just a natural connection for right. me with the instrument itself and just with music. Now, I did have some people in, you know, in my family, my great grandfather, you know, was a was a legendary musician in my hometown. I never met him, but all of the stories about him, particularly because he was a guitarist, they they would come out when we started to learn and play or or this is where you got that from. So for your family, that's powerful because they're everybody's stories are going to go back to you. Right as, the, right. as the the originator of the music gene. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, so that's good stuff, man. So talk to me about college. We, we've gotten to college now. So it sounds like college was a was a was a pivotal point in your music career as well. So tell us about where you where did you do your school and was it undergrad? Did you do grad as well? What, what was your story? college I, I started undergrad at South Carolina State University in Orangeburg South Carolina and um okay. I, w- I started out as music education and, and I wanted to be a band director because like I said I thought that was the only career path that I could you know lucrative career path that I could take and um I was there um I'm, I was there from 2005 to, to 2009 and um there while I was there I um I marched in the band. I, I was very active with the band, the uh, concert band, marching band, jazz band, everything. And I, it was like, and it, like you said, it was very pivotal for me. Um, I learned a lot. I learned a, I learned a lot on stage and off stage. Mm-hmm. Um, how to carry myself, how to conduct myself. I had um, as soon as I, I well, first and foremost, I'm, I'm move. I'm, I need to backtrack. I got there by scholarship. And but as soon as I auditioned, like as soon as I got up there, my band director, all of my music teachers, they saw my potential and they honed in on it. Stuff that the potential I didn't see in myself. They saw okay. it in me and they, you know, instilled a lot of wisdom and knowledge in, in me. And I wish I wish when I look back, I wish I could have took more advantage of certain things back then. But I mean, you know, you're in college, you have social life, you know, girls, it is, you know, there's a lot going on. Right. So, right. you know. Yeah, but it was, it was a good time. But anyway, um, I learned a lot. Like I said, it was very pivotal and, and it definitely further showed me that, you know, it is a possibility to make a career at performing and, you know, and working for myself. And, and it was just um, if you're familiar with the HBCU experience, it's yeah. nothing like being in a community. It's like a, a small community of people that look like you and you're not a minority. You're just <laughs> your family. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, right, right. And and it it changed my life. I I joke about this all the time. Like, if I could um, check back into a dorm right now, I I would. (laughs) Like, (laughs) it it was, man, it it was a great time. But I ended up, um, later on, I ended up transferring to Fort Valley State University in Fort Valley, Georgia. And I graduated with a degree in music performance. Another HBCU? um, Yes, another HBCU. And um, while I was there, I was more so just focused on trying to get out of school by that time. Um, I I was, um, 
I, I came, went back to Columbus, Georgia. I, I left South Carolina State. I was like I said, I was there from 2005, 2009. I, I, I was having a good time. Just, just go <laughs> tell like it is. So I had to go ahead and transfer. And um, I was commuting at that time. I had a full-time job, everything. So I was just trying to get out of school, you know, get my, get my degree and actually just focus. But it was still a family environment and a great experience. I learned a lot there as well. So, I mean, college as a whole played a huge, huge part in everything. It helped me to find myself as a person, as a musician, just all of the above, all of the above. I wouldn't trade it for the world. So what was your job at that time? You said you had a full-time job. Yes. Well, uh, I had a few jobs. I worked at Sam's uh, at the time. Okay. And I also worked at the recreation center um, back home. So I had yeah two part-times and so basically one full-time. So you were on, now you were on scholarship and that was a music scholarship at South Carolina State? Was that yes. correct? So that did not transfer to Fort Valley. Did you end up paying your own way at Fort Valley? I did, okay. I did. I gotcha. did, and um, but I was only there for for two years, and I, okay. I ended up just finishing up and getting up out of there, get my degree. Mm -hmm. And your degree is in music performance. Music performance. Okay, so you still finished with the same on the same path and everything. Music. Right, you never right. changed your major. I got you. Right. I just I started out education because okay. I was I wanted to be a band director and all that good stuff, and right. then I just I realized the the pivotal point where I realized I want to be a performer. That's really my passion. So I just went ahead and be, you know, I was obedient. Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and be, you know, do performance. So. Okay, well that's awesome. So, so you had the experience of playing. Did you did you do marching band like the typical, um, yeah. the typical path for a horn player? I guess that goes into college. Is that they're also a part of a band? Am I am I right or wrong about that? Yes, you're right. I, I did. I did marching band. I did all of that. Um, also, I was gigging and everything in college too. I, I was, <laughs> I was hustling. I, I was trying to, you know, trying to get my feet wet, as they say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you were working. So you were part of the local gig economy. And, right, uh, right. Now comparing that gig economy to, we're about to make a transition. When did you make the move? You were already a Georgia resident. When did Atlanta become home for you? It was um, shortly, maybe about a year after I got married. And um, we had, um, my wife, and how actually it worked out, my wife ended up getting a job first up here. And um, so it was like, okay, we was already talking about moving to Atlanta. We just didn't know how, you know, okay. how is this going to happen? Because, you know, I'm in Columbus, Georgia, doing a career in music full time, it's slim to none. It's slim to none, especially with the family on top of that. Because I had, no, by that time, yeah, I had my first son. My son was already born. Um, yeah, it, it was pretty pretty tough. So I was like, you know, we talked about it, like, every day. Because, and, well, first, let me say this now. Um, you have to have a good support system. Um, like, if you're married and, and you have family, like, you have to make sure that both parties are in agreement and they are supportive of this these type of steps as far as working for yourself or you know anything of that nature you know and um my wife she was extremely supportive and she she always saw the potential in me as well and um so we always talked about you know one day is gonna happen we didn't know when that one day was gonna be but she ended up getting the um receiving that job up there that offer and we're like this is the sign right here let's go up there we ended up um moving to atlanta and Basically, I had a nine to five when I was still up there. So I ended okay. up uh, getting a job up there too, as well. And um, but I started getting calls for like you know gigs and stuff. But I always had to turn stuff down because I had to work. And um, I just started doing the math. I'm like, okay, if I carry the two here, you know, around this, uh, you know, I'm making more doing this than what I'm doing right here, you know, in this office or whatever. So it's like you know, I ended up just having to you know. I had to make a plan before I just, you know, stepped out and did music full time. Exactly. But um, I, I had X amount of work, you know, lined up in music for X amount of months. And, you know, it was already set. So within those months, I used that time to go out and network and try to, you know, meet more people so I can fill up the months following that. And that's how that worked. That's that's how the whole transition of going to Atlanta and, and and that was already always the goal anyway to go up come here to Atlanta and to be able to do this because opportunity is just 
it's you know it's just yep. it's yeah it's limitless it's limitless yes. atlanta is the the cultural icon yes. and factory yes. of the world right now and music is right. one of the is one of our exports right. right so exactly so i mean this this is this is good so you we unpacked a few things right there and i don't want to i don't want to just gloss over because we talked about several things you talked about no number one the importance of selecting the right mate yes as yeah. a person who is musically hitched and you're making plans you know to make a living or already making a living as a musician uh, because even if you are, as you said, even if you have a, a nine to five, if you are, if you have the intention when you get into a relationship to one day be a full time musician or music right. business entrepreneur, I like to say, right? Yes, sir. If yes, that sir. if that is the case, that person needs to know that right away, wouldn't you say? Yeah, that's not that's not because so. you're, you're not really hiding your sacks in the house. You're practicing at home, and you 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 know you're doing what you're doing to promote yourself and musicians prior to this pandemic, right? We didn't really play at home that much. We're, everything is outside of the house. Right. So you're going to be gone. You're going to be missing and you're going to be doing a lot of these gigs and shows and traveling because that's what this business requires. And so if, you're, if your mate doesn't know that Ooh, in the early gosh. stages, and but they find that out after the fact, uh, that's, yeah. that's, they didn't read the fine print, right? <laughs> right, <laughs> or, right. Or you didn't include it, one or the other. So, uh, so that's, that's a that's a big deal. So we, you know, we want our listeners to understand that that's that's a critical part of being successfully musically hitched is if you're in a relationship, being hitched to the right person, the right partner, right. because they're either going to support or deter right. your journey. Because you got to be all in. Yes, sir. So, uh, what are some ways that you, for those listening, because we, you know, we have obviously male and female listeners. Uh, for those that are not, is your wife, I'm just don't want to make an assumption here. Is she not in the music business? She's not, but she, um, she played in, in college too. She marched in the band in college. She went to so Tuskegee University. Okay. And she played, she plays uh, piccolo and flute. So she, not, she has an understanding and a respect for the craft. Got it. Okay. Which is, which is, which is different because not everybody even has a spouse who's a musician or a partner who's a musician. Right. So at least there is a, an understanding of the time it takes right what it what it took to be able to learn how to play exactly. to the level that other people would call you and you could perform and be in, in in demand particularly if you're not doing it full time yet if you're still balancing that with a job so her understanding i think has obviously been critical to your success even though she didn't pursue the same pathway she has an understanding of the path that you need to take exactly. and i think all of us as musicians owe that to our partner to let them know, hey, here's the journey. This is what I signed up for, and this is what you'll be signing up for. Right? You know, are you down? You know? Yes, sir. And so she sounds like ride or die. Yes, definitely, <laughs> definitely, no Good question stuff. about it. <laughs> Absolutely. So talk to us a little bit more about this. Then um, we've talked about having a job and pursuing music at the same time. A lot of people are in that space right now where they are looking to one day be where you are, which is a full-time musician. But you alluded to the idea that even before you were quote unquote full-time, the phone was ringing for you. Yes. And it was, it sounded like it was creating problems with your nine to five schedule. Can yes. you expound on that a little bit more? Yes, um, it did. It, it, it caused a, a bit of compute, well, a, a bit of an issue with a nine to five because, you know, like I said, I kept getting calls for gigs. Are you free this Saturday? Are you free this time? And then, you know, I have to go to work or if I took off work, you know, that's going to be an issue within itself. So, um, yeah, it, it, it did. It took a toll, but, you know, of course, in the long run, it worked out. So when did you know that you needed to say goodbye to your days of nine to five? Because that's that's always uh, an interesting point, you know. There's a there's a cool clip on YouTube. I'm sure anybody in the world can find it, where Steve Harvey talks about the necessity of jumping. Yes. Right. Yes. Now that's not like you you know what I'm talking about, but basically, when yeah. when did you know that it's time to jump? Because when, as Steve said, when you jump, there's no jumping back up. There's no there's you're either gonna fly or you're gonna crash, one or the other. But once you jump, whatever you jumped from is no longer under you. Yes. 
And and it's funny that you say that. That's oh my gosh, that's that's confirmation. Okay, so that when I around the time when I left my nine to five, I just finished reading his book, and he was talking about jumping. And he also said that um, I would rather go, I would rather try than never do, and wonder what if. You know, so as if you know, if if I never even tried to pursue my music or you know my calling, I, I will be living in regret wondering what if I had did X, Y, and Z 20 years ago, or, you know, right. Right. And, and um, that spoke to me so much that it was just one random day and it was on, in a gen- on January. It was the first week of January. It's about five years ago. And I was at my job and I just told, called my wife and said, this is my last day. <laughs> this is my last day. Now I have, I had a plan ahead, you know, like I said, I had, a plan is now make sure you have a plan. If, you know, if you're trying to jump out right, and jump, right. just make sure you have, you know, something lined up. But I knew this was it. This is my last day. I need to do this. I, I'm suffocating. Like, I'm, uh, it, it's eating me up inside. Like, I want to do this. This is what I want to do. And, you know, ever since I've done that, I, I've found peace just in general. Like, I, I'll come home frustrated from work because I don't want to be there. It's like, you know, it was that type of thing, that type of energy that just, you know, just builds up. And that that book alone played a major, major part in that decision. And that's that's why I'm, I'm man, the fact that you just brought that up, like, wow, wow, because that, that was part of the story. That That's part of the story. And, yeah, it, it was life changing. It was like changing. It, it it opened my eyes a lot, and I'm glad. I'm glad I made that decision. Awesome. And back to talking about having the right mate. She bought that book for me for my birthday. Okay. And it, yeah, so because she she saw the potential in me even at times when I was like discouraged about even attempting. Because I I really had the mindset where I was just gonna work this job twenty years or whatever, retire. Like I was, I had that mindset. Like you know, I want to play music. I'm a gig on the side. And all that good stuff, but you know, I'm just I know I got a family, so you know, we gotta eat. So I'm just gonna go ahead and just keep this nine to five, this cushion nine to five, you know, and just play it safe, even though I'm not happy, you know. But she bought me that book and that changed my life. That's awesome. That's awesome. So that's that's the power of a supportive spouse. And there's numerous, you know, pieces of literature out there on that, but not many probably on the topic of being the spouse of a musician those that are in the entertainment business, it is a different lifestyle. And so when, when, you, when a nine to five partner is, is coming home, the musician is headed out of the door. Right. Or the film producer is, you right. know, the, when, when so, if your spouse is a banker, they may be home on Saturdays and Sundays. Exactly. But if you're working you know, in the film industry, you're probably gonna be gone somewhere on location, potentially yeah. multiple weeks, months in a row, you know. Right. Uh, touring it, it's, it's nonstop. You don't you might get to come home. You might not. You may have to fly them out to you versus you going home. It's actually much more practical that they come to you based on how you're moving around versus the other way around. So there are some realities of this business. If you're going to be musically hitched, you, you have to know what you're signing up for and you have to be OK with it yourself, first of all. And then also, like we said, your partner. And then you've also added, you and your wife have added kids. How many kids do you have? Three. Three. Two, two daughters and one boy. So talk to me a little bit about what it means to be married is one thing. We, we addressed that. But what, what about being a father? What about being a father and a full-time musician? What, how does that play out uh, in the life of Nate Myers? Well, yeah, it's good. I'm glad you asked. Um, well, because of that, because I work for myself, I have my own, you know, LLC, my business. I want to be that example to my children that it's okay to have your own. Not, I want to at least give them that option to not just think that I have to go to school and get a good job. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing wrong with that at all. But I just want to be that example, up to, example for them to show them that, yes, it is possible to be able to do for yourself. It's, be, it's possible to be able to have your own business, to be the owner, to be the CEO. You don't have to, you know, it's not, the only option is not just to be the employee. You can be the employer. Right. And also, of course, with music and stuff, of course, you know, I definitely 
definitely expose them to different genres of music, different artists, different, you know, certain things like of that nature. Like my son, he's actually currently taking uh, piano lessons. And he's actually, he's actually pretty good. I ain't, I ain't gonna lie. Okay. He impressed okay. me. He's impressed me. I'm like, okay, all right. So, you know, he's doing it. And my daughter, she sings all the time, <laughs> all the time. So she's she not here right now, but she was, she'd be somewhere upstairs singing. But, and, and um, you know, and, and I love to see that, you know, to, to see that they are watching dad and they see that, you know, it, they're showing interest and what dad's doing, you know, and I, I just want to make sure that I'm, you know, remain a good example for them. And like I said, just show them that, you know, it's okay. We, you like, okay. For example, like you said earlier about, um, building a legacy, we have spoke about building a legacy for, for, you know, generations to come. I want right. to be able to build that legacy with, to start this now so that once they get my age or older, and have their own children, you know, they'll know what to do. They know how to handle this and how to build, continue to build and keep it going. And that makes That's sense. Awesome. That's awesome, man. And so again, like we said, it, it, the book started with you. So now the two of them have it. I don't know if the, if the youngest will maybe will probably follow because that's what's typical of the youngest. They're going to, they often outpace the oldest. We'll, we'll, the, you know, the story remains to be told on that one, but it sounds like they're going to have their own musically hit story as well, just by, by watching you and, and they got it on us. Same thing with my kids. When you're surrounded by it, you know, immersion is always the best way to learn anything, whether it's a language or swimming, you name it. You know, if you're around it all the time, it's gonna come a little bit easier than those that, that are not, you know. So right. and I think you even moving to moving to a music center, their childhood will be very different than your childhood because you had to get it out of the mud moving around the globe. And then eventually you sound like your family settled in Columbus, which was not a music center at all, at least what, two hours away almost from Atlanta. And then, and but your kids are growing up in the city, you know? Exactly. So they're gonna be exposed to all the things that you weren't exposed to at basically the same age that you were learning to get, you know, and fall in love with Zach's. So that's pretty, it's pretty cool to see how the generational effect of music can continue to be enhanced. Um, so kudos to you for your commitment because your pursuit of your own destiny is going to propel them. And this is even if they're not, if, even if they choose not to be musicians, if they choose to, the platform has already been set. The stage is set. It's just a matter of whether they want it or not. And they can get that from you. They can get the, the hunger, the desire and the passion and the how to pursue it and how to fight for it. Dad knows that. The opportunities that you can't provide, you've actually already provided by making them available to the metro area. So yes, sir. we'll see. That sounds good to me, man. It really sounds good. So we've talked about uh, Atlanta, right? Talk to me a little bit more about what may not be obvious to people that are people that move here. You know, there are people that move here every day. Probably thousands of people move to the city of Atlanta every day. And many of them probably move with the entertainment industry in mind, not just to be singers and musicians, but at this point, Atlanta, as we said, is, is, a, is a hub for all things entertainment. You may not play any instrument, you just might be good at lighting and you need to move to Atlanta. You know, you might be a spectacular film editor and you move here. You could be a, you could be a person that scores movies. You could be a person that does voiceovers for animation characters. There's all kinds of reasons to, to live here now. You know, so we've been called the Hollywood of the South for a long time, and we might be, you know, Hollywood's biggest rival period at this point, just based on the, the economy here. So what would you say is, has been the main reason for your success in Atlanta? Like just thinking about Atlanta as a whole, how much has this move impacted your ability to be a successful musician, particularly making your living from music? I mean, like you said, um, the opportunities are limitless. There's, it's, it's all about building the right relationships with people. And, you know, you're, even though it's a big city, it's small at the same time. Like word will spread. If, you, if you're a, an excellent 
film editor or, or film scorer and you're professional and you carry yourself the way you're supposed to, word will get around. Like that, this person might refer you to somebody else and then that person might refer you to someone else and that's just how it, it builds. And that's how you create this whole hub of, you know, of people and where, you know, everybody works together. And, you know, that that's pretty much, that that's how I've been able to, you know, be, be successful in music and to be able to maintain, you know, everything. Just, it's all about how you, it's not, it's, it's more so than just your talent or just, you know, what you're good at. You know, you have to have other things in order to, you know, and that stuff, like I said, it carries. And it's, it's Atlanta is, it's big, but it's, it's small. Big, but small. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've often referred to it as a, as a big, small town. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But the, and the Southern hospitality is, is real, uh, and it tra- I think it translates to, to the music community. And, yes. You know, you, I think in, in any place that you go, um, regardless of whether you live in Atlanta or L.A., Nashville, New York, Austin, doesn't, doesn't really matter, Miami, I think most beneficial is to think about what value you can add to the community. You know, if you come looking to just take, 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 people pick up on that pretty quickly. And there's already so many musicians and singers and film producers here. I was at the park. I was literally at the tennis court with my daughter. We were the only people at the court, only people in the parking lot. There was one other car and it was a, a guy who was randomly walking around. I thought he was taking pictures and he comes up and he extends not his hand, obviously for social distancing, but there was a fence between us because we were inside. And she's having tennis lessons. And all of a sudden, this gentleman walks up and says, excuse me, and I turn and look over my shoulder. And he's extending a business card. And he introduces himself as a film producer. I'm like, what are the odds? We're sitting out here randomly in a park, public (laughs) having a private lesson. And a, and a gentleman walks up and has, of all the occupations, he's a film producer. And I'm in the entertainment industry. That's how easy it is to meet somebody here that's doing the music business or that's working in entertainment, I should say. So you you definitely, obviously, so plug for Atlanta here, obviously, but we're both proud to be you know residents here. It's It's an opportunity just in moving. And then there's the type of person that you have to be. So can you talk to to our listeners about the level of commitment, the process and the level of commitment that it requires to make a living as a musician in a music center such as Atlanta, specifically as a saxophonist, because I think that, you know, keyboards get calls that sax players don't get, right? Bassists, drummers, you know, rhythm section is gonna get some calls because that's typical. But you're in demand for the saxophone. Yes, sir. So how do you create demand from the, for the saxophone? It goes back to what you said about um, adding value. And if you show that you can add value to whatever that is, it's been situations where I had to do situations for free just to show what I can bring to the table. Okay. And because of that, you know, they, they'll call me back and, hey, we want to add you to the budget just because of the fact that you're a good person or and and you can play, but you know, we just like having you around it, it, or it's, it's all, all those things work together because at the end of the day, you don't just like a nine to five, you don't want to work in an, an environment uh, with people that you don't want to be around. And the same thing goes with music. You don't, you, the music is not going to be the same when you're on stage with people that you just don't gel off stage you're going to hear it. It's going to come out in music. So it's like, you know, all of those things, you really have to be committed. You have to be, you have to have 110% of commitment in doing this. And uh, let me see. Um, yeah, it's, it's about adding value. Everything in life in general is you should be surrounded by something that's going to add value to you as well. And you should always have a goal to add value to somebody else and to whoever you encounter. And that's outside of music, not even just music. So it with but in um in correlation to music, you should um 
always that should be a goal in, in whatever you do. But yeah, that, that's it's all about adding value, and that's how the calls start. That's how you know relationships are built because people will say it's something. I see something in you. It's something about you that hey, you know, I gravitate towards you. Like hey, I want to work with you. You know, yeah. and that's how that's how it starts. It's about building relationships and and moving. Like you said, moving to Atlanta just moving or just stepping out and jumping in general is a first step. And once you do that, you have, you have to get out your comfort zone. You have to um, step out your comfort zone and build relationships. Mm-hmm. That's it. Just like the, the uh, young man took a, took a step out and it came to you with a business card. You know, he had, to, you, you got to step out your comfort zone. You have to put yourself out there in order for people to receive you. So if they don't know what you bring to the table, if they don't know what value you can bring, how are they going to be able to, you know, how are you going to ever be able to flourish or be able to grow in whatever capacity, you know, that you're in or every, whatever, whatever area, you know, you're trying to grow in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to, and to that point, uh, I'll circle back on one other topic, but while we were talking about that particular gentleman, um, just out of respect for the music culture, I think you have to think about how you, as we talked about just now, we talked a lot about adding value. And even though that was very random and I could have ignored the gentleman and just said, I would like to be undisturbed right now. This is a private time for my family and I, because I'm in the entertainment industry, I respect the fact that it takes both me and him to make it turn, right? And so what I did is I revealed to him that I was also in the entertainment industry, but I was asking him some questions to make sure as, as you should. So, you know, we need, we have to learn how to qualify opportunity because you talked about, I'm going to circle back to you because I heard you say that all gigs are not paid gigs right, right. when you're getting started. But in his particular case, obviously he was looking to make a connection or, or at least possibly find a new client. But I also wanted to make sure that he understood that I was a part of the community. Because that's in essence almost like early compensation for letting you know that by you putting yourself out here, by you hustling, there is a reward for that. You reap what you sow. He was sowing a seed, even if it was just a card. Yeah. But had he been too afraid to approach, he may not know that I'm a person that produces multiple videos throughout the exactly. year. Exactly. Right. And though he was targeting my daughter at the time, offering a potential highlight reel for her and her development. That may be the last thing that I need, but I might need somebody to edit some podcast interviews, for example. You see what I'm saying? So you just never know. So I said, I appreciate you letting me know what you do because you never know who you're talking to in this city. And it's so small that you can randomly run into people. I don't suggest it as a strategy to anybody who's listening, but the fact that he was willing to share, the the principle is let people know what you do. Right. Right. And musicians, especially, even in a time like this, because as the economy comes back and as, you know, as as COVID goes away prayerfully, opportunities for musicians will become plenteous again. And people are going to have to know to call you because there's going to be 300 musicians vying for the same opportunity at that restaurant, for example. So why would they call you when they have 100 more names and business cards to go through? So that's where you're talking about character. And so talk to us a little bit about why taking the unpaid gig sometimes leads to numerous paid gigs. Um, it's all about building relationships. If people never get an opportunity to see what you can offer, like you're not going to get calls. It's, 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 you, how can you grow if they can't even see it? Like you have, you have to be, you have, you have to humble yourself first and foremost. And then secondly, you, you have to do that. That's if you're a true entrepreneur, a true okay. hustler, if you want to call it that, like, you I know, you, you have to have, you got to You got to be thinking ahead. You can't just look at the now and you got to look at, okay, if I do this, how could I benefit? Like, you know, how can, you know, this help my career? How can this help my business? Like as a business person, as, as a CEO, having your own business, you have to make plenty of um, investments in your equipment. The, the microphone you're talking in right now, all the, y'all, that's an investment. But you have to be willing to invest, not just money. You have to invest time. You have to invest all of that. You have to uh, time practicing, time doing paid gigs. You, it's all an investment. 
Learn. You have to look at it. It's yeah. all about your mindset. These days, you have to spend a certain amount of time as well learning the gear. It's one thing to make the investment. It's another thing to actually learn how to use it properly, right? Right. Which that takes can, time. Which, which can, keep, can keep the phone ringing because when people know, hey, Nate, I need you to drop some, some, some saxophone tracks. I need some alto sax on this yeah. album. I need to know that you know how to run Pro Tools and Logic yeah, exactly. remotely. Come and on that now. you've got a proper mic and you right. can do and you got a file exchange service, maybe like a Dropbox account. If you're unwilling to do all of that, <laughs> yeah. but, but we can't we can't do business. Exactly. You're taking yourself out of the game by not having those skills in a digital world. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Agreed. It's, 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 you have to you have to invest. You have to not. And it's not just money. And people always think that it's only about investing money. Yes, that is a part of it. That's one you investment. Have to invest, yeah, that's one of them. You just have to invest time and, and you have to invest time around with people. You, you know, you have people have to see you. I mean, even mm. when we first when I first moved here, I had to go to plenty of open mics and jam sessions and all that good stuff. I mean, I slowed down now, you know, but yeah. back then, you know, you know, when I first got here, I had to really be out there. Cats had to see me, you know, they had to know I was here. But those weren't paid. That you don't get paid to go to open mics, right? Oh, no, not you. Just you're spending time that you could be spending at home. Yeah. What you know, watching Netflix, even rehearsing. You could be rehearsing during that time, not necessarily doing something unproductive. But if, even if you're the best sax player in the world, if you're just at home rehearsing and you're not videoing and and, and releasing YouTube videos of you practicing or, or or at least recording or creating a cover of something. If you're literally just home practicing, the guy who's half as good as you but is out at the open mics for free is going to get more work. Exactly. He'll beat you to the tour bus every time. Right. Right. That goes back to it's not just about talent. It's not just about it's not about talent alone. You know, it's it's a whole lot that goes with it. And you have to really hone in on that and really just, you know, work that that system correctly. Hmm. That's powerful, Nate. That's that's good. I'm, I'm sure the list, listeners are going to glean a lot from that. Uh, one of the other questions I wanted to ask you, because not everything is easy in this business. So what are some of the challenges and obstacles you've had to personally overcome to sustain yourself as a professional musician? One of the biggest obstacles was myself. Myself, mm. actually, wow. mentally, you know, in any we're all human. You have self-doubt. You have, you know, it's a, like you said, it's three, three million saxophone players in Atlanta alone. So I'm like, you know, how, how am I going to, you know, fit in? How, you know, first of all, I'm not meant, you're not meant to fit in, but that's all different conversation. Mm -hmm. And, um, but like, how, what do I have to offer to offer? Like, what, what can, what can I do? You know, you start having these doubts and stuff and that's what will hold you back. You can hold yourself back from going forward. And and from jumping, yeah, you'll you'll create this doubt, and that was one of the obstacles obstacles I had. And also, I was so focused on playing music for musicians, and from an artist's perspective, I, I wanted to. I was so oh, I want to impress this person, that person, and if they're not impressed, and oh, I must not be doing this right, and all that stuff. So you know, all of those things worked hand in hand, and they. Um, created obstacles, obstacles that weren't even didn't have to be there, you know. So that was one of the first biggest ones. Now, secondly, um, when I first moved here, of course, trying to just get myself out there and just meet people, it, that was an obstacle within itself. But it didn't take long because, like I said, I, I took a step out and I, I put myself out there. I built relationships, and you know, I, I showed that you know I'm more than just a good sax player or a decent sax player. I, I can offer more than that, you know. Shoot, when we do a corporate gig or, or, or thing of that nature, I'll help out, you know, load in, load out. I'll do something to show that, hey, I can add some type of value other than just playing a saxophone. And right. a lot of times that stands out. Stuff like that stands out. And mm -hmm. people, they, they hone in on that. They see that. They're like, okay, right. I, I'll call him back. People pay attention to that because the work, the gig is really the, the gig is the easy part, Right. All of the preparation, all of, all of the logistics for all that want to be, you know, on the in, in the entertainment industry. It's ev everything else that happens before the lights, the camera, and the curtain. Before they open, that's what people are paying attention to, because a lot of people can do the execution of the of the show, 
that you know musicians are a dime a dozen, right? Great singers in Atlanta, L.A., etc., a dime a dozen. It's it's sometimes it's the little things like being willing to help drive in the middle of the night when when the driver who is also in the same gig right is falling asleep at the wheel, you know? <laughs> yeah. Instead of instead of t- trying to take advantage of that moment and rest, consider the fact that they need the same rest and maybe offer, hey, I'll, I'll do it and I'll drive for free. You don't have to pay. Right. Me. That's that's because that's getting everybody back home, right. so that we can also go back out again safely, exactly. <laughs> alive, uninjured. Right. Exactly. Next Most week. importantly, right. those are things that that I think a lot of people look, and that's where your mentality, I believe, has to shift from from being a taker to a giver. Right. We all give and take is a part of life, right? We all we all have to give and we all have to take. But I think sometimes it's it's easy when someone else is providing an opportunity for you to just take. But when you can when you can give back to the opportunity giver, that's going to be hard for the opportunity giver to forget. They're going they're going to feel that much more than a thank you. Right. Exactly. exactly. They'll, they'll, they'll they'll remember that one for months. Yes. That that plays a major part a major part in everything and yeah, it, it's and that, that comes with humility and and also I mean, yes, at the same time know your worth, know, you know, know who you are, but at the same time, you know, you even as musicians, this gift is not for us. We're we're all servants. Like this is for the people. This is for Very you true. know, music is therapeutic. Music is necess is is, is right. necessary. Um, it's essential. You know, it, it all of that. Like this is stuff that you know. This is not about us. So right. we first and foremost have to have that mindset when we get have this gift, and we have it. Like we have to understand that first, and if. Once we do that, then it'll be easier to be able to, you know, hey, you know, uh, I see you um, getting sleepy. You need you need me to drive. You know, I'll help. You know, that that's that that'll come easier. And like you said, th- th- people remember that type of stuff. Yeah. Like myself, like if I hire somebody and they certainly they go above and beyond, I'm going to remember that. Not take advantage of it, but I mean, at, but at the same time, I'm going to remember that. And like, I'm, I'm going to be more compelled to call them over the guy that's killing and, you know, doing X, Y, and Z. But, you know, he, he don't listen to any of the music or, you know, he like, you know, all this type of stuff. So all that stuff plays, goes hand in hand. So, so just our industry is no different. In other words, you've got to find you've got to find ways to do more than just what what was required. When you when you only do what is required, you actually put yourself at risk. Right. You're an easy replacement when you only do what is required. Yes. To give yourself an edge. You need to find ways to do things that are often unmusical, that require zero talent. And those are ways that you'll stand out like a sore thumb in an industry that's crowded with talent. Powerful. Nate, you said something very powerful, man. Music is a gift and gifts were made to be given. Yes. Made to be given away. So our gifts, as you said, are not for us. Exactly. So we need to keep keep that in mind as we're as we're out doing what we do. As we as we give the gift of music, we're not we're not even giving it for just for ourselves. We're giving it for for others who don't have the ability to to communicate that gift. So that's a, that's a powerful 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 statement. Yes, sir. Good stuff. So we talked about this before. I'll ask you one more question about the idea of family because you're a family man. Is there a balance? Yes. Oh, I have no choice. <laughs> I have no choice but to be a, for but for there to be a balance. At yeah, it's definitely a balance. Um, but is it lopsided? Is it because I I found it challenging as a father myself and a husband. I can't give equal time to things. So when people talk about balance, what what did you mean when you say that you have to find balance? In order for everything to be successful, as far as your family and your marriage, you have to have some type of balance, some type of, and, and when I say that, I'm not saying that, like you said, I can't give 100% time to both, you know, both entities, but if, back to what we said about having a partner that understands that, that helps balance everything out because we work together. Like, if I'm on the road, she knows that, she understands that, and um, she'll, you know, take care of the kids or whatever needs to be done at the house, like and vice versa, she has to go to work and I'm home. You know, it is just like any other um family. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's just that, you know, it's just it takes a lot of adjusting and compromising and working together, just like any relationship. 
So it's it's nothing. Uh, how to say it? It's not impossible. Clearly, we know that. Um, but it, that when it comes to balance, it's not like I say. It's not necessarily just time. It's you have to balance like just attention. It, it's 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 a lot. It's a lot. But yes, there is balance. There is balance. But um, like I said, that because my wife, she understands, you know, my schedule and what, you know, I'm on the road or have to, you know, go do a studio session or whatever the case may be. Um, because she understands that that's what helps the balance helps keeps everything balanced, balanced as a whole, if that makes sense. So Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Gotcha. You're also a member of an illustrious fraternity. Am I correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Tell us about your fraternity and in any way that that may have given you an edge or an advantage in life in general and particularly your music pursuits. Yes. Well, um, I'm a brother of, of the Omega Psi Phi Fraternity Incorporated. And um, it's definitely instilled a lot of principles in me. Uh, we stand on principles, manhood, scholarship, perseverance, and uplift. And those four principles alone have definitely um, imparted a lot in me and help me to grow as a man, as a father, as a husband, as a musician, as a person in general, and um, being, you know, surrounded by these brothers that, you know, are have like mind, like attainments, and it's definitely been a pivotal point in my life as well. My, my father's an Omega, my grandfather, he's an Omega, my uncles, and so it's deep in the family, so they were great examples of men for me growing up. And um, so when I went to college, you know, it wasn't a question about it. Like I, I knew what I was going to do. And um, yeah, I've, I've definitely grown since then, since I've joined the fraternity. I've been in the fraternity for 12 years now. And um, yeah, it, it's, it's, paid, it's played a, a very pivotal point. And even with that, like they, the, uh, my, fr- my brothers have, you know, they supported me in, you know, my career as well. I, I definitely have to give, you know, give the fraternity credit because uh, I've, gained a lot of support in business um, just, you know, from my fraternity brothers alone. So, you know, that it's, it's played a major, major role, major role. Very good. Very good. You are a songwriter. Yes. A producer, an artist yourself. That's something that a lot of people that know you well know, but some people that may have only seen you play out may not realize right. that you also create music. Talk to us about your songwriting process. What's your creation process like when you go in the studio? Really, um, I usually go in there already having um, something in mind or melodies and um, chords. And um, well, I, a little fun fact: I have perfect pitch. So basically, really? I, I didn't know that. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, so I, I know the note. I hear the notes already. I already have the chords. So I just go in the studio. Um, I'll tell the producer. Um, and my my producer, um, Dana Mentuzo, Day Day, better known as Day Day. I know you're familiar with him. Oh yeah. So he he um you know a fellow produ- uh, musician. So I'll tell him the chords and you know you know B flat or whatever, and he'll just kind of we'll just create a foundation, and we just build from there and just kind of just just try on there see what works and yeah that's it, it's really no like big uh like you know secret way how to how I did it just that's pretty much. The basic, I just have something already in my mind or just something in my head and I just put it down on paper. Mm-hmm. So. so what what is the message? I'm not sure if, if this is, is if this is the focal point for you or not, but most artists tend to have a message, but your music is mostly instrumental. Is that correct? Yes, it is. So it is. what what message, even if instrumentally, do you want the listener to get when they consume your music? I just want people to be inspired just in general just by listening to it and like we we spoke earlier about hearing the soul soulfulness in the music i want and one of the reasons i like the tenor sax well i love the tenor sax uh particularly because to me it sounds the closest to a voice out of the, all the saxophones okay and um you know so i, I even growing up I, I i didn't even talk about this um i listened to mostly vocalists than saxophonists Mm. Then um, growing up, like uh, that's what I mostly. Li- I mean, I listen to um, a lot of saxophone, like Kirk Whalem, Gerald Albright, 
um, you know, a lot of soulful saxophonists. And um, but it was something about like vocalists like Music Soul Child, um, Fred Hammond, um, Floetry. It, it was a neo, so there's a lot of just different genres and uh in styles of singers and vocalists that I listen to. And um that's basically I want to when you listen to my music, is is very melodic and lyrical without having actual words in it. So that that's pretty I, I just want I want my music to, to inspire people to make people at be at peace because I mean it's a lot going on in the world just in general. Not even just right now. It's been a lot going on for a long time. So it's like I want this music to just, you know, calm you down, to just give you a minute to just, hey, let me just get my mind off this and just listen to some good music. So that's that's one of the ultimate goals that I want to be in. And just even with my story, I want that to be inspiring as well, outside of just the music itself. So I want that to be, um, how I say, I want that to be a part of the um uh, the message i guess you could say the message that I'm, that I'm trying to deliver gotcha who are or who were your musical mentors and influences um definitely kirk whalem um he was the very first soulful saxophonist i ever heard and you know me being a, a church boy you know just he he had the, the gospel according to jazz and that was my first like real jazz album that i heard yeah and yeah, it was something about it. Like he he spoke to me. Like when he played, it was like, ooh, it's like a voice. It, it's like he was sing, making it sing. I was like, man, I want to sound like that. You know, oh, yeah. that that was that was my mindset. And I, I used to listen to him all the time, try to imitate, try to you know, uh, the the licks and everything, try to play it. And yeah, it, he was a pivotal. He 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 played a big part. Also, Gerald Albright, as well. I love his sound. I love you know his his approach to music. Also, and um, also um, Mike Phillips, he, he played a major point, major, major part as well, played for Stevie Wonder, um, a whole bunch of, you know, big names. And he, he played a major part. I like the, the fact that he had a uh, hip hop type of swag, you know, incorporating that with jazz. You know, that, that was cool to me. You know, you know, I'm young, you know, in school. So I'm like, that's cool. I mean, because that was my first time seeing that, you know that together like that, especially as a saxophonist, I was like, yeah, that, that, that played a, a major, major part. And um, also, it, and to go back to what you said about um, the, my message, like, I, I'm, it's, it's, about the, it's about the soul, it's about soul. It, I just wanted to be soulful. And I just, you know, I like to incorporate hip hop, I like to incorporate, you know, jazz, of course. Um, but it's not, my music is not your typical jazz music. It's not, it's not even, I wouldn't even categorize that as smooth jazz. It's, it's just, it's just music. It's just music. But as, but back to your initial question. Um, yes, I, like I said earlier, I listen to a lot of vocalists, a lot of vocalists, um, and Karen Clark Sheard, all the on um, all the Clark says it, it. Like all, I used to imitate all of their runs, like all of that stuff. Like that's what I listened to a lot. Like I used to be um, back in like high school. I remember one summer I had a whole, the whole summer I had, had I used to have my disc man. Uh, you know, if you, if you remember the disc man's back, oh, yeah. the, back in the day, yeah. I had, um, I used to put my CDs in, put my headphones on and just play <laughs> and just imitate what they playing. I know, I know, I'm sure it didn't sound good out there to my parents and everybody else, but hey, in my, in my mind, I just sounded great. You know, I'm just, but th- like all that, those type of things played a major, major role and and what I do now and how ha- and help me to find my sound and and what you know I I just pretty much you know as we all do we we pick up things from other you know musicians or other you know other influences and make it our own right right yeah and that's that's what I did and it's like yeah I, it changed my life <laughs> how much work is there out there right now when you think about your body of work that's been commercially released. Do you have a certain amount of albums or singles that, that people can go and find? Yes, yes. I, I um in 2015 I released an EP entitled Soul Essentials, which is available everywhere music is sold online. Um, Apple Music, Google Play, Amazon, all of that good stuff. Um and so that was my first body of work. Um I also have a single entitled Fellowship, 
um, and that's also available everywhere. All of the, all of my music is available everywhere online. Everywhere music is sold. You can also go to my website, natemyersmusic.com, and go to the store and purchase it personally from me. Cool. And so social media, where can they find you on social media? Yes, you can find me on Instagram at Nate Myers Music, N-A-T-E-M-Y-E-R-S-M-U-S-I-K-K. You can also find me on Facebook at Nate Myers the fourth, Nate Myers, comma, IV, Roman numerals. And yes. Cool. So as we wrap up, any parting words that you would like to leave with our listening audience? Uh, this has been a great episode. You are a man who's doing it, doing it well and continuing to strive to reach numerous goals in the, in the music and entertainment business. What nugget might you leave with the listening audience to encourage them to stay along their musically hits journey? There's only one you. There's only one you. Don't don't be dismayed by, you know, how many people are doing the same thing you're doing. Um, just focus on what you have to offer and make sure whatever it is, it adds value. So whatever you're doing. Ladies and gentlemen, you've heard it here. The one and only businessman, entrepreneur, saxophonist extraordinaire, family man too, Mr. Nate Myers. Nate, thanks for joining us, man. It's been a pleasure having you. Likewise, thank you. This is Musically Hits for Zach Reynolds Jr. We'll see you next time. Peace. This episode features the single Levels from Nate Myers' album entitled Levitation, available everywhere. To our listeners, we'd like to say thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's content, be sure to like and subscribe so that you'll always be notified of new episodes. This is Zach Reynolds Jr. We look forward to you joining us again for another episode of Musically Hitched. Thank you.